What up, what up? I'm Adrian Young. I'm Ali Shaheed Muhammad. And we are The Midnight Hour. And you are listening to Mega Late Show. Skirt. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's youngin' up in here. We gotta get that Hmm. Yo, yo, yo. Welcome back to the Mega Late Show, episode number 46. I am Mega. And I'm actually recording this in studio by myself right now because we decided to let you know about this episode a little bit differently and Late couldn't make it back to the studio. Now, if you could read and you're paying attention to the title of the episode, you'll see that we have The Midnight Hour, which is Ali Shaheed Mohammed of A Tribe Called Quest and Adrian Young. Now, both of these cats, I think everybody should know them and who they are. Uh, the accomplishments are insurmountable. They're just absolutely crazy with the work they've done alone. And if you've been paying attention... Uh, you'll know that they worked on all the music for Marvel's Luke Cage under their uh, group collaborative title, The Midnight Hour. And uh, they were nice enough to come in and sit down in studio with us in Ebisu at a studio Noah. And we recorded this episode a bit, a little bit differently. We usually have, you know, the show flow if you pay attention to the episodes. We did this just all conversation mode, uh, no weather reports, and we kind of just jump right into it. So after this, you'll listen to the sponsors and then we'll go right into the episode with them where I ask them, uh, it starts with me asking them about their experience in Japan. And also, uh, if you're listening to this on, on the day it comes out, which is going to be Friday the 31st of August, go ahead and cop some tickets and go check these guys out at the Billboard Live here in Tokyo. Uh, tickets are pretty cheap, especially for these caliber of artists. It's super dope. I can't express for myself or even for late how uh, tremendously honored we were to have these two legendary figures just rocking with us. Absolutely just cool guys down to just talk about whatever. And uh, shout out to Ayaka that works at the Billboard Live for helping facilitate this. Their manager, Drew Lauren, the photographer. Also in studio for this episode, we had Aaron Cholai, who is the ultra homie and composer, beat maker. Check out his new album with Daichi Yamamoto. And uh, 3D God King was in the studio as well, recording all of the episodes. So I think we're going to have some video content for you, uh, perhaps uh, a little bit later. So yes, uh, A Tribe Called Quest is going to be playing in the background along with adrian's jams go check out all their past music all of that is just phenomenal and dope and i don't think i have to say anything more but mega late show 2018 peace This episode is brought to you in part by Calcombs.com. Make sure you go check out Calcombs.com to check out all of his newest music as well as some of his apparel, spring and winter gear on there. So go to Calcombs.com and buy that stuff. And if you happen to pay for more than $30 worth of products, you can get 25% off using the Megalate Show promo code, which is Megalate Show with no spaces. Don't space that bitch up. Absolutely do not do that. And we're also uh, going to say our episode is brought to you by Keen Joaquin. Keen Joaquin.com. That's right. Lots of artwork and different types of mediums that he can work with. He can make you the dopest business cards available, which um, are very dope. So go check that out. And we're also brought to you by Harry Sandwich Company in Harajuku, mm -hmm. the best sandwiches in Tokyo, perhaps in Japan. That's right. And uh, if you enjoy the sandwiches, then you'll want to be there every last Friday, including the Friday that you're listening to this, because I will be there playing music every last Friday at Harry Sandwich Company in Harajuku, right off of Takashita Street. All right, back to the episode. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
curious, uh, when is the first time you guys came into Tokyo? Tribe? Yes. Yeah. I've been making music for 30 years. I don't even remember, man, to be 100 with you. I don't remember. I should remember the first time because, um, you know, Tokyo is like one of my favorite cities um, next to New York City and Toronto, but I don't really remember. I just know that um, sometime in the 90s, the early 90s, might have been with like De La Soul or something like that, like 91. Oh, wow. 92 maybe you know we had uh maceo actually on the show once and he was saying they came out in like 89 or something like that maybe a little later uh was it around that same time maybe no de la got to japan before we did all right yeah. word yeah cool 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 yeah my first my first time out here in japan was literally like a couple years ago just okay. performing with, with the band and uh, this is one of my favorite places on earth. I love it out here. Which band is that? Uh, just Venice Dawn by Adrian Young group. Okay. Uh, do y'all have any favorite spots in Tokyo that you guys like? Um, as far as records, uh, Disc Union is killing it, man. Like last time I came out here, they had some great vinyl, and then we was there yesterday again, and they still got great vinyl and. Um, I mean, yeah, it's record, shoes, clothes, man. That's what we're looking for. <laughs> you know what? Um, I can't remember the name of the record store. Was it like Manhattan Records or something like yeah. that? Yeah, right there in Shibuya. Is it still here? It is still here. So I remember, like, I hadn't been here for a while. Like, first of all, the first time I went there, you could find every hip-hop vinyl. It felt like just like the hardest pieces of vinyl to find. Even in the, in the U.S., it, it made me wonder, like, stuff falling off the back <laughs> of the trucks and just being shipped directly to, yeah. <laughs> to Tokyo. But I then remember sometime in, like, 2000s, early 2000s, like, when Southern music, Southern hip-hop had really, like, kicked in Master P, all of that. Mm. And that record store was completely different, like hip-hop i think everything that i would dig from went was moved upstairs or something like sure. that yeah and it, it broke my heart man that's what you, i had to say that's when i was know, like man hip-hop really changed it, yeah, yeah it especially changed, during transformed that time. tokyo you know post, to that degree post uh telecommunications act you know when people started focusing on like monetizing and, and the opulence of hip-hop i think it really did and i wasn't I like out here back you then put that you know <laughs> uh, and 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 i think i think for for manhattan records you know now they do still have a lot of you know all the prominent hip-hop you go in there there's doom records on the wall tribe and you know i think the other day i saw uh your project with with uh ghostface in there and so they still do have a lot of records and it, it kind of still remains one of the more notable and prestigious record shops here in tokyo i don't know if it was ever like a digging epicenter i think it was more or less just a place where you can get records but the disc unions man i, I everybody that i hear comes out here and just yeah. still finds a bunch of gems are there um so so obviously uh you guys have dug a lot and um paying attention to hip-hop culture well, who were some of the first japanese artists that you guys were familiar with um crush um probably that was him yeah. same here only. yeah like uh maybe dj honda was also DJ fairly honda, yeah. prevalent yeah. out here 
And um, yeah, who, who there was a there was a Japanese guys that worked on a, some tribe albums with you guys as well. Toate, Toate. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys still talk to him at all? I have no idea what that guy's doing. I was whatsoever. just saying that the last time I saw Toa was like maybe two years ago out here. Actually, he interviewed me at a radio station. Oh, don't. Yeah, yeah. So every now and then, like, um, you know, there there will be a Instagram moment between the two. <laughs> which is rare because I'm rarely on there mm-hmm. but um yeah he'll have a geek moment like I, I may post something up just in me in my studio and he'll be put something like Amphian speakers which is a speaker system that Adrian and I both have and I'm like well toes up on those okay More. he's always ahead of the game must always. be like some kind of vintage type of really high level gear or something I'm not familiar with it myself and I won't ask you guys to go into your your setups because you know I'm kind of a layman when it comes to stuff like that. But um, I'm always really interested in kind of the intersection between uh, people of color, particularly Black folks, uh, and in Japanese culture because it seems to be something that's kind of been interwoven uh, between us. You know, we we uh, with Wu Tang and Chinese films, and then of course you know, especially now anime is taking such a huge kind of synergy with hip hop culture through guys like Nujabes and and just all together. So yeah, I just wanted to ask a few questions about your Japanese experiences in terms of the record digging out here have you ever walked away with like a really fine piece of vinyl out here that was kind of uh, a super gem for you I think they're all kind of gems you know especially when it comes to I will say at least for out here like you you can travel the world and you'll find like rare rare grooves especially from a jazz soul funk but what I really found out here were the hard-to-find 12-inch of early 80s hip-hop, you know? And it just seems like people go hard into the culture of hip-hop out here, you know? Like, really just immersed in it, you know, study it, appreciate it. And some of those, like, early hip-hop records that are just like one-offs, um where you would think you would have to be like in New York, you know, Manhattan, the Bronx, Brooklyn, Queens at that time, which were really important records. And this is before hip hop was broadcasted like regularly as it is now. And so on every station, you can find it anywhere on the internet, right? But early, it wasn't like that. And finding that when when I came to Japan, it was just like, you're talking maybe seven years later when a record is really dated that those records were big and as important as they were you know when they came out in 85 or 87 or something like that and and they're still celebrated to these days you know even you know big l for an example is still celebrated right you don't find that in in america too much there's still cats out here dressing like big l in the summer (laughs) with timberland boots on so yeah yeah. so you know that's the fascination that i've not only was it a fascination, but just an appreciation of the Japanese people. It's like, y'all, they really go, they go hard with the culture. They, you know, they feel it, they believe it, they live it, they breathe it. You know, no differently than anyone that, that came out of New York at the time when some of these great records were made. So, Word. I mean, uh, I think I kind of find 
I kind of find that uh, outside of the United States, there seems to be a bit more admiration and uh, reverence for classical artists. And we don't, it's it's not some ageist thing where it's like, oh, this artist is old. I can't really play this, you know, J-Rue album. When J-Rue does shows in, in Europe, people are still showing up and giving respect to him and telling J. him that he's... will come out here probably. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and, and, come out. and it'll yeah. fill up, you know, Billboard or Sound Museum Vision or wherever the case may be. I don't know be, about so. Billboard. <laughs> you know, I don't know <laughs> if they got J.Ru at Billboard, but they should. You know, that's a that's a super OG. In there. So, wonderful, man. Thanks for uh, thanks for sharing those thoughts on Japan. Um, in terms of uh, the Midnight Hour and Luke Cage, I can really say I really love the music. And um, for Luke Cage, you know how Netflix has... They have the whole thing where you can skip the intro and you don't have to listen to the theme music. But with 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 that with that show, the music is just so lush. I never have to skip that intro. Um, so uh, congratulations on that. I think Thank that you. that is Thank really, um, you know, Marvel is a multi-billion dollar company and probably the biggest thing in the world right now in terms of popular culture. And for you guys to come in and, and be offered to, to work on that project and represent for people of color and to show, uh, you know, the diversity and strength of a, of a black superhero, man, that's that's for really sure. got to be uh, a crazy, crazy look. No, it is, and and um, we we understand its magnitude, and and we're uh, appreciative to to have the opportunity to do what we do, and and bring our type of music to something that is a mainstream platform. You know, we don't get this kind of opportunity, so mm-hmm. it's a big deal for us. And also, just the message behind Luke Cage. Uh, that message is really spearheaded by the showrunner, um, Cheo Coker, who actually hired us and brought us on. So, um, yeah, we love it. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, again, just just absolutely phenomenal. And I know you guys were working on your project, The Midnight Hour, before you actually started mm-hmm. on Luke Cage. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think I read you guys said um, that working on Luke Cage like made you guys better musicians yeah, yeah, yeah. and kind of elevated Absolutely. and kind of changed yeah. the project, actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, to, to add on to that, we st- we start, we've been working on this Midnight Hour album for about five years. And... We put our work aside to work on two seasons of Luke Cage. Now, when we're working with, on Luke Cage, it's 13 episodes a season. So each episode, we're doing anywhere from, let's just say, around 30 minutes to sometimes 50 minutes of music. It's a lot of music for a show. So we don't have a lot of time as well. You know, we have deadlines. So with us creating this kind of music, we get to streamline our process and just continue to expand our compositional skills, our theory, everything. So with the evolution that came from the pressure of us having to turn in so much music in so little time, we're able to apply that to our own work outside of the scoring uh, scene. So that's how it helped me that hour. Were there any specific songs that you guys retooled after or vice versa? Were there any songs that you didn't change? Well, our, our process is that we produce the music and then after it's done, we write for the orchestra to come in, you know. So, you know, just whatever. If, if we make a song five years ago, that's just the basic rhythm section and vocalist, um, you know, five years down the line, 
we could bring our, our 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 knowledge, everything that we learned in that time, and apply it to an orchestra because you're putting new layers on something. You're having mm-hmm. a new perspective on it. So. And and I know that um, a lot of the music that you guys composed was informed by classic artists, uh, classic black artists, and classic black composers uh, in black exploitation films and in black film in general. One thing that I was curious about was in regards to the titles of the Luke Cage tracks, which are you know working off of Gangstar titles and Pete Rock. And uh, I was curious with your ex- uh, expansive knowledge of samples and breaks, did any of those beats from like Primo tie directly into the music that you created for the episode? Were you? No, those episodes were titled by Cheo, and um, Cheo. Some people may know, may not know that he was a very important hip hop journalist. You know, he documented the the culture, um, and he was of the culture. And so, for him as a writer, um, those titles helped um, turn into stories. And so that's Cheo's thing. So for our part of scoring. The titles really didn't um, influence us at all. Yeah, we were excited, you know, just knowing that, you know, like the moment of truth, for example, right. was was it the title of an episode, and and of course, there's the thought of, oh, you know, what what did that song actually mean? How does it tie into the story that's about to be in, that's unfolding, and and could we take something from there? But we really didn't do that. It was just really our our brain. Um, and going off of Chael's direction, he's very particular about sounds and ideas. Unlike other showrunners and executive producers and directors, often when they say, you know, we want planet Earth, they mean they want Pluto. They just don't know how to say that. Sure. And with Chael, he knew, I want planet Earth. So it's like, if, if, if he gives us... Um, trying to think of some examples of, of music that he's given us um it's been so much um but if he gives us an, an example of, of a song like bill withers for an example bill withers harlem was a song in particular that he really wanted us to like get a feeling of that we know what he would want from us just based off of that reference and listening sure. to that and so not so much the titles influenced us as much as just Chael's direction. Were there any, um, I know I've seen in other interviews where you guys would forget songs that you composed as you were watching the show, but were there any particular moments uh, during the, the during the show where you, you, you kind of thought the music really stood out? Maybe you text each other like, yo, did you see how when Luke Cage body slammed my man, like it crescendos right there? <laughs> were, were there any moments that you thought really stood out about the, the musical composition that, that stuck in your mind? We make so much music. I mean, like for for the show, we make a lot of music. Outside of the show, we make a lot of music. And one of the things is it's crazy just talking to you guys right here and hearing a lot of our music being played in the background. I'm figuring out where stuff is. So one of the songs y'all played was a Ghostface sound. I was like, damn, is that the first time? It took me a while to even figure out I was there. So so as soon as we make something, we're gone. So when. You know, when we watched the first season of Luke Cage, when it was complete, we just binge watched it at Netflix all in one day. So, I mean, there's moments we're like, yo, that actually came out good. Or, you know, <laughs> or, whoa, why, we had a song here. What happened to that song? Because we don't, you know, we'll do stuff, but we don't know exactly what's going to happen until it's finalized. So one moment that um, that 
I really liked a lot was uh, it was a song called um, what's it what's it Diamondbacks Return yeah Diamondbacks yeah, Diamond Return Diamond. yeah yeah when um, Diamondback comes and shoots up the bar and it's just like it's just chaos I, I love I, I really love that moment a lot um, that that's that's what I can remember but I mean. Word. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of stuff going on in these these last two years, man. We made a lot of music, you know. Yeah, it seems uh, the output has been prolific, guys, and and uh, I'm I'm just so fascinated by listening to it. Uh, is the the musical score that you guys compose is that also released uh, by Netflix as like some type of album or where people can get it? On for... Mondo, it's on vinyl. It's limited okay. vinyl. Oh, and um, we actually brought one. Oh, very. So that's oh. yours, and that's a, oh, that's a, that, that, that's oh, a limited you. that's a limited one too. So it's it's You're a green. Have to duke one. it out. You guys know. are wow. yeah. You guys are just yeah. you guys are turn just the lights off. Yeah. Mega yeah. actually has an apartment with yeah. he can fit that in. Wow. Uh, yeah. in the oh box, man, so. you guys are you are you guys are are too yeah. kind, too yeah. kind. Wow, that's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Yo, thank you so let, much. Let me just use this this moment to segue into um, you know just hip hop conversation. Um, we we're just a, a lowly little podcast here with like ten thousand you know listeners or whatever, and for us to get people of your magnitude, our heroes and, and people we've been following for you know decades and years, um, I just want to say thank you again for, oh, for coming thank through, you. guys. Yeah, this yeah. is this is um yeah I'm still a little bit jittery about it to be honest. I feel like I'm standing <laughs> in front of actual superheroes, you know. Wow. Um, thank you. You know. Now, if we can get like maybe, uh, let's say, ten percent of that ten thousand to come <laughs> to Billboard Live, you know, yeah, that will be incredible. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. See the Midnight Hour perform. As you're listening, yes, uh, the Midnight Hour will be performing at Billboard Live. Uh, they will be doing two shows. Yes. So tickets will still be on sale. How about all ten thousand of you just come out? Yeah, please, <laughs> yeah. please come through and check it out. Yeah, yeah the five thousand yeah, in America, right, y'all right, need right. to buy your tickets yesterday and just get <laughs> over here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Figure it out, you know. Uh, I mean, uh, celebrating forty years of hip hop is really kind of crazy i can't think of another uh you know musical subculture and a musical culture that actually has a definitive date of its kind of birth now whatever line you fall on in terms of the creation of hip-hop if you think that if you would like to give credit to some of the people like you know grandmaster flowers who was doing kind of similar rocking for the culture just to have it be 45 years is so um, number one it's 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 dope because you know the, i think the culture is still phenomenally strong you hear people say hip-hop is dead and i've never experienced that i'm kind of a a four elements cat from the from the early 90s mid 90s and, and watching that transition to becoming the most dominant uh musical pop culture in the world is crazy and you constantly hear, especially the youth culture, say that, you know, a lot of our thoughts are outdated and we need to just move on. And a lot of people say that hip hop is a youth culture. And I think that after 45 years with, you know, Jay-Z dropping an album, Tribe uh, took a 20 year break and came back with another phenomenal album. Uh, what are your thoughts on people that say hip hop is a youth culture? Um, well, there's truth to that. It's... um. The youth who often feel the effects of being dif disenfranchised by society um, and you're young, you're discovering your own identity and you're being challenged by so many different people, places, ideas, ideologies to test your 
individuality in your um, place in the world. And when you're young, it's like you you don't, you kind of want to push back at some point. You know that age, maybe like 15 sometimes when it it becomes strong in the household where the parents are looking at you like, "Am I about to put this person out of the house?" Right. You know, and it's just that identity that's just shouting and has the energy to do everything to be heard and and to be um accepted and acknowledged and so from that perspective as a creative art yeah those are when the ideas are the freshest the rawest the newest um and there's something to that but at the same time it's uncultivated it can be and so age is important wisdom and and life experience is important and actually can guide i think one of the things we 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 mistakes we make in society is is kind of thinking that once you reach a certain age you you have no relevance yeah and so when a tribe called quest puts out a record you know decades later and it's strictly relevant to what's happening in the time just like oh yeah y'all do matter and we need each other i don't think i think that it, it's a mistake for the younger generation to go oh you old so you don't matter i think it's a mistake for the younger older generation to discount the younger generation mm. you know and so um music the best music is timeless and there are a lot of young people making music no one's going to care about in five years and that's not a slight at them it's just your what you're chasing creatively is just for a moment you know and it's okay to be in the moment but when you're making art you want that art to last the test of time something like for an example in preparing for luke cage i'm listening to music from 200 years ago because it's relevant and there's a lot of information in there um and so i don't necessarily look at it as only a young person's art form but you know they got they got that that energy yeah. and you have to respect that uh, well um in terms in terms of you know the youth and, and their guidance uh i i hear whenever i hear you uh, either of you speak on the culture it's absolutely informed and i think that there's a lot of wisdom that can be taken from your approach to sampling and your approach to going back to these records and and as you said i think there's a lot to be unlocked that could actually enhance a lot of this culture's uh, a, a lot of the youth's you know music itself and it's it's a little dip i have to admit it's a little disappointing to see but i i have a I've, i see a, a lot of positive takeaways about the current climate of hip-hop do you see anything in particular um outside of just the aesthetic values of the music do you see anything in particular that points to hip-hop being in a good place in terms of you know the money that they're able to make or well there's a lot approach. of there's a lot of positive and negatives as far as um, where the hip-hop culture is right now or let me rephrase there's a lot of positive and negatives as to where um hip-hop music is right now right yeah but as far as the subculture is concerned like i think i think it, it's lost so much because hip-hop is based on the diaspora of a subculture the music represented the subculture you know so i mean there was a time where you could go to a club 
and there's cats in the corner beatboxing and freestyling and then other b-boys in the corner doing their thing and then graph artists and all that stuff i mean you walk into a room and you're seeing straight up culture like mad culture and it and it's something like that like that's something that was going on for decades it wasn't something that was going on for a year or two so there was a real culture and the music symbolized what these people believed in that that was something that was uh germane to germane to these disenfranchised youth right this notion of us representing this culture now i wanted to to go back to something you asked earlier about um whether hip-hop's a a young culture so it's something the subculture was definitely continuing to push the boundaries as far the as far as the youths in the subculture. Right now, hip hop music is the most popular it's ever been. Right? If if we if, if we're gonna call that music hip hop music, right? But are these young people continuing with that subculture? Yes, this, yes, the subculture has to evolve, but has to evolve into some thing so if i asked a young dude right now that's you know into trap and rapping if i asked him yo what's going on with the subculture like what are all the elements that are in this subculture like what are you guys living for and how does this music represent that subculture i mean what could they tell me you know what i'm saying not to say that things don't exist it's a whole different thing kind of but but the subculture that youth subculture so if you asked me what it was like it was like oh we would go to school you know what i'm saying and we would just be talking about that video that came out on yo mtv raps last night we'd talk about the lyrics or some of the dancers in the video and what some of them was wearing and then we you know that next weekend we'd be going to the club to, to to dance and battle and do all this you know what i'm saying like representing ourselves if i asked a young dude right now what's going on as far as this subculture of hip-hop what is that answer going to be and then ask yourself okay well wait a minute are the older hip-hop cats actually continuing a subculture so are they the ones actually continuing the subculture but all we're actually really hearing is the music of the younger people that make hip-hop like like what 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 really is going on like how do you actually analyze this you see what i'm saying so there's many there's many vantage points that you could look at this issue and my thing personally um is that when you ask a question of whether hip-hop is dead is the is should the question really be is the subculture of hip-hop dead and or is the music of you know what i'm saying there's like sure, so yeah, many ways yeah. to yeah there's so many ways to analyze it so for me that subculture is not the same um i want to go back to the other question in terms of what i've seen as positives for the hip-hop culture to to date or almost to date kind of um you have for an example like with luke cage um, it is a heavily hip hop influenced and based um, f- fantasy fake world, you know. But 
built on a lot of the principles that are real um, in real moments. And for an example, um, you know, even having someone who has uh, just the image of a hooded sweatshirt with bullets riddled through it after having a, a young black male, teenage, 15 years of age, senselessly murdered, you know, that affected the culture and was brought to the forefront by a company like Marvel, you know, that's supremely large from, a, you know, entertainment, global entertainment system. But it, there's so many uh, elements of hip hop that Cheo placed into that. And that's just one, you know, we can talk about Black Panther as another. Let's table that. Let's go back a couple of years where you had, from what I've noticed the first time in American history, a president to embrace hip hop culture and to bring that into the White House. And we go back 20 years, that was a, like, no one I think would have really thought that would have happened. You would have rapped about it like, you know, one day, you know, right. this is gonna be a black yeah. president. And we right. could go back to a couple of hip, iconic hip hop songs where that idea mm. was, was just a, a dream, a hope, but it became a reality. And it became a reality so heavy, heavily that it validated those disenfranchised peoples from the 70s. It took a long time to get to that point. Um, but still showing unity, you know, just from the culture. So Progress. Progress. And this is in the midst of everything that some of us may celebrate about hip-hop or some of the things that we get into arguments about debates like y'all i'm not feeling that right now right. it's killing the culture right. ultimately Trash. it still evolves and it it is it becomes beautiful it's impossible to really turn it into something ugly it began ugly it started off ugly and and what's more ugly than the absence of love and appreciation for your your your, your neighbor that's 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 ugly right you know to the point that they have to come out and lash out in a in a very strengthful harsh way to the point that they're beating their chest to the point that the women have to say hold up recognize my mic skills because of the the, 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 the way that you treat me in society mm -hmm. you put me off you know you call me these names so i think there's a lot of beauty in hip-hop it's just the way that you look at it you know from right now while it's still struggling Going off of what you just said, Ali. Yes. Um, I read uh, some uh, where you said you had some values that you look for for people to represent in hip hop culture, and they were education, knowledge, value in self, value in community, advancement of community, advancement of self, unity, peace, and standing up to and against oppression and things like that. Um, who do you think? embodies those ideals in hip-hop <laughs> in today's in today's climate oh you're gonna put me in hot seat like that in general right now <laughs> oh, how wow. do you feel um there are a lot of artists um you can say rhapsody you could say um um no name you could say um ill camille you could say you see, I'm going for female. I'm, I'm, I was I loving that, that he's yeah, saying yeah, yeah. All, all female um, rappers. 
You can even say Nicki Minaj. You can say Cardi B. Um, depends on how you look at their, 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 their art and their stories. Um, some may push back on me and say, really, Cardi B, really? Yes, it's just you got to really To be honest, to I'm, I'm looking like, ah. Yeah, no, <laughs> but you have to, you know, I mean, there's certain aspects of her music that's just entertainment, you know, and there's a lot of people that are entertaining rapping. Mm. That, like I've interviewed people the same way, you know, I have my podcast. Right, right. Yeah. Microphone check, and there are lots of times where I ask artists about um, their lyrics and people like we love, like Pusha T or Rick Ross. And then, you know, it'll come out like, okay, this is kind of make-believe, you know? So you have to give um, a little bit of space for artistic license. But going back to that, I think, um, you know, I think J. Cole is doing it. I think sometimes you got, again, he's he's one that you'll listen to some of his music and you go, really, is he really? And then other, other areas Can where, I guess? He, where he is. Um, can you guess what you who you're about artist? to say? Are you still oh, talking about? Are you still talking about J. J. Cole? No, no, no. I was oh. about to move on. Go, go for it. Is it Kanye? Um, see, he was in my mind. He's in my mind, but I'm, I wasn't. I wasn't ready to pull pull a trigger on on yet. But definitely Kendrick. Um, okay. Um, who else am I missing right now? Brother Ali. Um. Killer Mike, Killer Mike, um, Talib Kweli still. Shout out to Talib Kweli still getting at all the racists on his Twitter account every day. Yeah. Funny. He's fighting oppression like a mother right now. You know, it's, it almost seems like he's like alone sometimes doing it because he goes so hard, and there there aren't people attacking it from that kind of level that intellect that he's attacking it, you know continuously um, like that yeah yeah he, he invests so much of his time into that and he's really passionate about it and 100 support him uh, speaking of kendrick lamar um on the midnight hour album you guys have a track called questions with uh CeeLo brown doing the vocals um is that track also used on one of kendrick's projects the untitled unmastered yeah, so CeeLo Yellow. No, CeeLo Green. <laughs> oh, you said brown. You said brown. <laughs> oh, shit, my bad. <laughs> yes, uh, it was actually a song that uh, we had worked on, and Kendrick heard it before he, while he was working on To Pimp a, a Butterfly. And then I think it was a song that we thought he was going to use for that record. It came out, it didn't make it, and Adrian and I were like, oh, okay, you know, feelings are not hurt. Um, really, kind of, sort of. But then um, we got we we got a notice that he was actually about to release it for the Untitled album, and so we were really happy. Um, we're happy about that and love what he did with the song. Yeah, I think both versions sound great. Shout out to shout out to Kendrick Lamar for being the first uh, rap act to get a Pulitzer Prize. Yeah. yeah, you know, and and I mean, I know that there's a lot of politics involved in that, and actually, you have to submit the album for the Pulitzer. Uh, I guess we can go ahead and segue. We've only got a few minutes left uh, to rock with you guys. Let's go ahead and segue into asking you guys a, a few rapid fire questions about just things in the culture. Mm -hmm. And to to begin, um, how about 
uh, of course, there have been several rap acts who are deserving of Pulitzer Prizes uh, well before Kendrick received his. Uh, who? What's an album that you think deserves a Pulitzer Prize right off bat for the writing? And, and if each of you want to answer these, as what's the great. criteria? I, I think that that's I think the it's mystery. Just, I, yeah, I think it's just when it's an appreciated work of like writing. Just literary? Yeah, I suppose so. I mean, I'm not I'm not exactly sure either. I mean, Tribe uh albums or groups that are deserving. I I'm just interested to hear like who you love. I would just, I want to kind of use this thing I mean, me to personally, shout out people. I mean, that me you personally, appreciate. I mean, Okay, so should 36 Chambers have one? Should Cuban Links have one? Should Low End Theory or Midnight Marauders have one? Should uh, 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 93 Till Infinity? I mean... Um, the answer is yes to all of right. those. Yeah, yeah. Yes, so, absolutely. I mean, it, it, it all depends on what the criteria is, and it's very subjective, and, and who makes these decisions, and the people that are making these decisions, how knowledgeable are they of the art in order to actually make a proper determination as to whether this deserves this or that so i guess the next question is really how important is that prize is really is it important just because of notoriety or because of the people that are saying you deserve this right you know what i'm saying so sure. like like grammys like yeah exactly. how much of our culture is making these determinations exactly but what does it really mean exactly people exactly. seem to chase it but exactly know. i mean to, to me at the end of the day the most meaningful thing is whether you think it's dope you know what I'm saying? You as the artist. That 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 you know, that might not be the the make the biggest monetary impact, you know. But creatively at the end of the day, it's all about whether you think it's dope. I, I did have one question. I read on Wikipedia that you are an entertainment uh, law professor. Is that correct, Adrian? Yeah, like I used to. I used to teach. I, I don't teach anymore. But yeah, I mean, my thing is I always say that it's best for an artist to have an education, you know, um, and continually self-invest. So yeah. With with uh, both of your experiences working in you know hip hop, which is a genre that pulls samples from older people's music, reworks them into creates other magic. Uh, what are your thoughts? Both I love of you. sampling. Yeah. I think it's so dope, and it's an honor. It's, it's an honor when we get sampled, when I get sampled. I mean, it is. It is. It is an honor because, or one of the main reasons for me, is because it actually changes the meaning of the original. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So because somebody makes a derivative version of what you make, it changes it and it actually puts you know puts it just on another tier. You know what I'm saying? So I love it and I look forward to it and it's always a happy, flattering thing. What are your thoughts on the um, Blurred Lines case with Pharrell and Robin Thicke where it was a vibe that they were I think were it was great. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I think honestly, honestly listen to it, you know, it is not that far from it. And and I have a legal mind. I understand it from a, from a lawyer perspective. So it's one of those things where a reasonable jury could conclude either way. And that was the law and they concluded one way. So when I say it's great, I don't like the fact that they made something and you know at the end of the day they had to lose all this money and that, that's that's not cool but it was that close and from a from a you know because i understand legally like you're putting yourself at risk when you make something that is that close to original song i don't care what anyone else says when as soon as i heard it, i felt the same way too so so what is word up how do you guys feel about um like nowadays a lot of popular producers are sampling 
original music made by other contemporary people like uh, Ant-Man Wonder or, uh, for instance, yourself with um, DJ right. Premier and Royce the Five Nine. Although that's more, no people know that's what's going on. But like uh, like a lot of these tracks that play in the club are other people's tracks and they just remake them and people aren't really getting their credit and things yeah, like that that part of it i'm not i don't think is really cool i think if you're sampling like that you should definitely um you know reach out and make sure that those people are properly credited and taken care of because um it's a lot harder now to really get your, your your music heard you know and if you're putting something up on soundcloud or even these days just like you know something up on ig and someone snatches it and grabs it it's just and that that one particular person happens to be like the top rapper in the world um it's so one-sided and i'm fair mm. if you don't you know and there's a lot out here for us to eat from together so i think people should be probably you know credited for that word for sure yeah well um it looks like we're wrapping up the the interview guys i want to say uh thank you again for joining us it's an absolute honor Absolutely. Uh, to, to rock thank with you, you guys us, yeah. and uh, um do you guys want to wanna show? speak on anything you're doing in the future like raising dion or run this town for instance um we're you know we're 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 going to be scoring a television show on netflix called raising dion which we're very excited about we're also uh scoring a film called run this town um and uh you know we are always working on a bunch of music you, you just finished mixing um an artist named johnny p who sounds i hate to do this but <laughs> he sounds like Sam Cook and Marvin Gaye put together. And it has a, a, great. a pen, a writing pen that's kind of dabbles in the past, but then has this contemporary, contemporary, more modern way of of taking taking these classics and making it. I don't know, like now, you know. So we're working, and we're, we're thankful that you guys are invited us to this, and actually, me more than anything. Like when when you drop, we can get down. It just float in my mind somewhere else it was like fife was just right here in front of me rest in peace um jay dillow rest in peace you know that's chris lighty and chris yeah. lighty you know and so thank you guys for um man letting this music into into the into the energy spaces of wherever it goes right now in 2018 going into 2019 god willing we all make it together but thank you for um just this appreciation you know like it just it kind of like tripped me out like you've been playing tribe songs and they really didn't land on me but when when you drop we could get that because i saw fife mm. as if he was right now on the microphone it just bugged me man out. i mean just yeah hearing you speak about it, I, the hair on my yeah, arm yeah, exactly center, man. uh we are so appreciative of you uh both in the culture and we're gonna we're gonna continue to follow your music and we hope Thank you guys you. keep on making music for decades to come i mean it's hard it's to put into words the amount of you know feelings that's happening right now like you said uh my relationship with tribe in the past or like with adrian's work with uh you know um ghostface or even with prime Phonics, all that crew just we're so happy that you guys 
took time to talk to us. So oh, thank you so much, man. You're so welcome. Thank yeah. you, man. Love Yo, you and, guys. And, uh, and we definitely appreciate you guys looking extremely dapper in all the interviews I've seen. Oh, we look kind of bummy coming off of teaching kids nah, and stuff nah, like nah, that. You guys you know? looking good. You're looking good. <laughs> Thanks, nah. man. Yeah, and uh, I'm Thank looking you, forward man. to going to the show on today, uh, the midnight hour at Billboard. Go get your tickets yes. today. Yes. Mega Late yes. Show, 2018. Yes. Peace. 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 Okay, word. Well, yo, thanks for listening to that uh, really dope interview with Adrian Young and Ali Shahid Mohammed. Let us go ahead and tell you about some of the shows coming up in Tokyo over the next month or so. Yes, sir. Uh, first off, tonight, as you're listening, Ali Shahid Mohammed and Adrian Young are going to be performing at Billboard as the Midnight Hour. You just heard them talk about all of that and themselves, so you want to go see them. Tickets are probably still on sale, so go do that right now. And then, after you get done watching them, you can come see me perform at Harry Sandwich Company in Harajuku. I'll be out there from 9 to midnight, so go to the midnight hour then come to vibes and then when you're done with that you're going to want to go to tight it's their 20th anniversary and that's previous guests dj quiet storm dj yes dj shigeki dj mog and el de sensei of artifacts who will also be there and it's their 20th anniversary 20 years throwing a party in tokyo you guys are going to check that out that's at club asia uh, also tonight, Born Free is going down with DJ Hokuto, DJ Alamaki, Marzi, DJ Shah, D, uh, sorry, Sukasa, and You Kid. That's at Harlem. And Special Session 2 is going on for Club Heavy 6-0, I think as part of their 16th year anniversary, maybe. So make sure you don't miss that either. Uh, tomorrow, Native Sound Launch Party is uh, rebranding, so they're having their relaunch. That's going down at Ruby Room, and that's going to be HMLT, uh, previous guest Ami Ide, uh, Temple of Zen, Chunky Krill, Orion, our guy Feel So Good, and Genon. That's at Ruby Room from 5 to 11. That's a pretty early show. And Sunday, Speakeasy is going down in Kamakura at Pacific Drive-In right on the beach. Hopefully the weather is good. You know how Speakeasy does. The time's a little different this time from 3 to 8. So come check us out in Kamakura. Also that same day, my other guys, Life Park, they're going to have their rooftop special in Ikebukuro at the Green Garden on top of the Seibu building, I believe. So go see them. It's all the oh, Life Park guys uh, from 4 to 10. So if you can't go to Speakeasy, at least go check out our guys at Life Park. And... Also, shout out to Kokimura and DJ Hiro and DJ Nakamura at uh, Under Digic. That's every Tuesday. Uh, this week, Shiori Bradshaw is doing Palladium Lab at Rep. Uh, that same day, on Tuesday the 4th, Paint It Red, Watusi After Party is going down. That's going to be Zebra as Dirty Crates. I guess he'll be DJing. And also Kokimura and some other people are going to be doing something at Contact. So you're going to want to see them. That's from 10 to late. Not me, but yeah, go check them out. And uh, yeah, shout out to Kinsuke also. He does Nova every Wednesday at Quintet. But I just want to reiterate tonight, the Midnight Hour, they have two shows going on. One starts at 7, one starts after 7. So get your tickets. 
that's right and i'm still here late just bombarded you guys with a lot of different things to do pay attention to that and mega is is just going to do some of those things as well mega late show and all that stuff oh shit i do smooth oh, every monday oh, that's right <laughs> that smooth do eggs. Eggs. <laughs> don't miss that shit yeah off the top rope yeah mega late show 2018 mega late and I'm still here again. Yo, uh, okay, we're out. <laughs> oh, 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 shit, you thought it was done, nigga? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm oh, rising shit. up Let like... Oh, shit, let me go again, let me go again. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, Mega Late Show.